got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my peers and talking rap careers Reflecting on the years, connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music, I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew, doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet, we're gonna put it in check You're listening to bruise beards and shipwrecks One, two, one, two, a mic check Stone bands, Royal Ruckus on the scene Just to announce We got the brews, we got the beards Tasty interviews for your ears to hear One, two, one, two, a mic check Stone bands, Royal Ruckus on the scene Just to announce We got the brews, we got the beards Tasty interviews for your ears to hear Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beards, and Shipwrecks. I'm your host, Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, also known as Jamie Bennett. I'm here with Matt Wells. What's going on, Matt? Hey, how are you? <laughs> doing pretty well. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Nice to share a beer with you today and get to know each other a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we, we, are, we are here at the uh, Monday... Night garage. Night. I almost yeah. said morning. Yeah, Monday night garage. So I used to play with this band called. Uh, well, I wasn't in the band, but we opened up for them a bunch called Monday Morning Grind. Okay. And every time I see this name, Monday Night Garage, I want to say Monday Morning Grind. That's I re- not the same thing. No, it's, it's not. I really love. I really love the Fleetwood Mac song Monday Morning. Um, it's okay. on their first record. You know, everybody gives their second record a lot of love uh, because of you know rumors yeah. that has all the songs on it uh, but the first record if you're not Fleetwood Mac um, if, if you're yeah. not if super into Fleetwood Mac go to the first record I think it's from 75 it has Rihanna on it but okay. it also has like Blue Letter and Monday Morning and a bunch of amazing stuff so, so that's worth checking out uh, absolutely yeah I'm a little behind the times on that I think I think I uh, I haven't given them a fair shake because they really are legends you well know? they're the best but I think that people only want to talk about rumors because it has dreams and yeah. uh, don't stop thinking about tomorrow and you know um uh, landslide and all that stuff on it that we've come to know them as that band, that quintessential band. But the first record has some, some real yeah. nice gems on there. So, so, so I want to know about you. So we we actually for the listener we just met. Yeah. And we we met through our mutual friend Greg Owens, also known as Manchild, and uh, he he introduced us. And you guys go back a ways, and yeah. um, we were just sitting here talking. He. You know, you and I have been chatting for a while, and I realized like all the stuff we're talking about is like the kind of stuff I talk about on here. So I figured I might as well hit record. So sure, tell me about yourself, man. Yeah, sure. So first of all, I'll talk about Greg a little bit in the sense that like uh, how we got here is that uh, Greg and I have known each other for quite a long time. Um, we're both uh, musicians. Uh, we're both guys that have spent time uh, in the Christian music scene, which we found out a little bit later. We both worked in the, dis- right. the distribution <laughs> side of the alcohol business, selling beer, wine, and liquor to okay. accounts all over Atlanta. We worked for the same distributor, actually. And then we both... And you got- knew each other back then? Yeah, we did. Okay. And then we that's how we kind of connected the dots with... Um, with the Christian music stuff. Okay. And then, uh, strangely enough, we both interviewed for the, the same job at a, uh, a a brewery out of Michigan called Bell's Brewery. And okay. we put, we I got the job we interviewed we both interviewed for, but they but they liked Greg enough that they offered him a different job. So oh, we nice. actually started and onboarded at the same time. So so Greg and I knew each other, and we had the really 
the really cool uh, luxury of onboarding together in Michigan and learning uh, the culture of the company and doing that thing together um, for about five years together with Bell's Brewery out of uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, they make great beer. They do. Yeah. They, they're, uh, you know, they were a really, really beautiful, kind company to give us a start to let us get into that side sure. of the business, yeah, yeah. Uh, to learn how to, to do that and to feel like we were part of the family and what they do and the quality of the products is amazing. So Greg handled uh, a lot of chain accounts and kind of managing okay. whether it be on-premise chains like Applebee's, Chili's, um, you know, oh, interesting. Tilted yeah. Kill, yeah, yeah. Taco Mac, whatever it is. Sure. And I more handled uh, three states, Georgia, Alabama, South Carolina, and I had some guys that were on the street under okay. me. So okay. I did a little more of the street work for sales. Okay. Um, so that's how Greg and I, that's kind of our history. That's, I said that really quickly, but that really is about five years of, of okay. knowing each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry, probably about 10 years of knowing each other at sure. that point. Yeah, because um, you're dealing with more than one company. Right, and so Greg now has moved into a role at Monday Night Brewery in Atlanta, and I am the sales director at Atlanta Brewing Company in Atlanta. Nice. Uh, the Atlanta Brewing Company is the oldest craft brewery in Georgia. We've been around for 25 years. Um, we were doing business as Red Brick Brewing Company for the last eight to 10 years. Um, kind of asininely. Um, uh, you know, when, when I was given an opportunity, I, I worked for Left Hand Brewing Company out of Colorado oh, yeah, for, yeah. for about a year yeah, after yeah. after Bell's. And then, uh, strangely enough, I was offered an opportunity to take a bigger job at a smaller company um, as the sales director at Red Brick. Um, there was, without mincing words, it was a little bit of a reclamation project. It was a brewery that was the oldest craft brewery in Georgia that had seen some a little bit of mismanagement, yeah. um, had seen some different ownership, and they needed a new management team, a new director level team to come in sure. and kind of um, just bring new life to the whole project. And yeah. so um, I talked to my dad about it, strangely enough, and I said, you know, wait, wait, why is this strange? Well, Did your well, dad not drink beer? No, 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 I just, because usually, you know, I'm, I'm a 39 year old dude. It's like, yeah. you know, an opportunity arises and I, I decide whether it's the right thing for me. Oh, or, I got you. Know, you. I not. got you. But yeah. I, but I went to my dad and I said, look, you know, I want to talk about this gig and you know, they're, they're kind of a fledgling company. There's some, some question yeah. marks about what we can do. And he said, do you think you're good at your job? And I said, I do. And he said, well, how good do you think you are? And I said, I think I'm pretty good. And he said, well, then take the job and put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. And so um, that's kind of how I ended up at the Atlanta Brewing Company. And uh, it was my idea to get with the, the, the other uh, team, the new other new director level team, and to rebrand the company to go back to our original name as the Atlanta Brewing Company instead of okay. Red Brick. Okay. Um, we believed that the Red Brick Brewing Company didn't really make a lot of sense. Um, while it had a good story, you know, in Atlanta, we know that there was the story of Sherman burning down the city. Sure. Um, the mayor supposedly at one point said, we're going to rebuild Atlanta one red brick at a time. But that story oh. wasn't that story wasn't disseminated to, to, to anybody, right? Right. So, so why are you doing business as red brick um, and, and not yeah. Atlanta yeah, Brewing yeah, Company? Yeah. No one really knew. And so it was yeah. time to... Uh, to we, we knew the beer was tasting different. We got a new director of brewing operations, and everything we were doing there was different. Yeah. But the perception was that nothing had changed because it still said red brick on the cans. Gotcha. So what we had to do is we had to look and feel different as, as well as tasting different. 
and we knew we were tasting different, but looking and feeling different was important. So without being too long-winded, we are the Atlanta Brewing yeah. Company now, and we look and feel great, and we taste like a million bucks. So, and it, um, it's kind of yeah. amazing to me that nobody had that name snatched up. Well, we were we were them. We were, we've been doing business as the Atlanta Brewing Company. Oh, okay. We, we so the, you had both yeah, sorry. names. Yeah, I'm sorry. You had both we, names. We, I misunderstood. Yeah, that. and I'm sorry that we, we have the That's first brewing fault. license in Atlanta. Our brewing license actually is wow. GA-BR-ATL-01. Gotcha. So, uh, Georgia Brewing, Brewing, Atlanta, one. Okay. So, that's our license. So, if you look at any red brick can, it said brewed and packaged at the Atlanta Brewing Company on the right-hand side. My email address has always been at atlantabrewing.com. Okay. So, um... So that, yeah, and that, make, that makes it a more natural transition, though, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that totally makes right. sense. Yep. There was just, again, I think there was a little bit of trepidation when I came in and I, I kind of brought the idea to them. Um, why now? Too soon. We just changed. We just we just had a packaging revamp a few years yeah. ago. Yeah. And I kind of said, well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, either I'm here to make the company relevant again or what am I doing here? Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of the deal. And, and um, I want to be clear on this, that that uh, our, our president's name is Garrett Lockhart, and Garrett had a really good handle on the idea that he needed to change. He needed to challenge a new team with where the brewery was going to go. Sure. And I was a piece of that puzzle. Um, okay. uh, a girl named Cameron Davis, who runs our marketing department, was a piece of that puzzle. Nice. And then an, uh, a guy named Gavin McKenna, who is the director of brewing operations, who had come from a really well-known uh, brew pub here in Atlanta called The Wrecking Bar okay. that people really love. We came together as a new three thing sure. with Garrett kind of um, looking over us. Yeah. And he challenged us with where we headed. And he didn't love what we had to say all the time. Right, but yeah, of course. But he's a smart, level-headed, um, really uh, kind dude that was willing to hear us out. And yeah. so when yeah. I brought the idea of a rebrand that was going to cost a lot of money, um, <laughs> he was at least kind enough to hear me out in that yeah. and, uh, and why we believed it was valuable. Yeah. So. Um, enough about me. No, no, but I, I completely <laughs> understand that. And, and, and the reality is, too, you, no one man can do that sort of thing. Uh, sure. I, for five years, I've been doing business development and marketing for an engineering firm. Right. And, like, they, there's a sense in which I talk about it sometimes, like, it's all my program. Right. Especially since I'm the guy who does the business development. But I couldn't do it without the team. Yeah. And, and like... Honestly, like the number one marketing thing for me is what the rest of the team does. Because they do such a good job, it makes the rest of what I do so much easier. Yeah, sure. So with, without that sort of synergy and that cooperation with everyone, you can't really do much of anything for something like this, you know? No, no absolutely. Like, like, you can implement change, but it takes an army to kind of pick all the pieces up and actually take it to battle, right? Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, can, you can tell them what kind of armor you want them to use, but they have to actually go out and use it, right? Sure. Um, and we can make those decisions, but we'll know really quickly if the armor doesn't work, right? Right, So right, um, right. we have to have a team that can do that stuff, and we have to put our team in, in positions. Um, I, I, I kind of hate the term, like, putting people in positions to be successful. It's it's a it's a kind of an overused business thing, but it's sure. but it's important, and especially yeah. in the beer business, it's how do we how do we stay uh, creative? Uh, how, not, not only do we how do we change like how do we basically overhaul a twenty five year old brand? Yeah. But once we've yeah. done that, we have the luxury 
to kind of do whatever we want because it may or may not work, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of things that we can do. There's a lot of different um, creative outlets that we can try to uh, promote our brand or sell our brand in different ways or the way we look and feel can be different than maybe we've ever done in the past yeah. and maybe other brands that are maybe um, other beer brands that are kind of sailing or they, yeah. they, they may not be like they may not be growing but they may just be kind of coasting they know a certain way of doing business and they're going to do it that way because yeah. it's not it's not not working but right, for, right. But for me and for us not only was it building building a team that was high performance that could do this stuff, but it was like, well, we, we well, shit, like we can, we can kind of <laughs> do whatever we want. Like, yeah. we can do things a little differently. Like, we, you don't yeah. want a, you don't want a sell sheet that looks like an entire glossy, you know, eight by ten. Well, maybe we do some baseball cards. You know, maybe we do small things. Maybe we figure out other ways of doing business. So there was just, yeah. there's been a lot of that. You know, I. Um, this is a little bit off the side, but I heard a I heard like a amazing quote the other day that's been just noodling around yeah. in my brain that like it's a it's attributed to Albert Einstein, but no one knows if he actually really said sure. it or not. But it yeah. says if it says if um, uh, everybody's a genius, but if you judge a fish on its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it's stupid. Wow. And for me, yeah. that like shook me to the core about wow. like how do I manage my team, right? Yeah. How do I manage my people? Like that goes beyond putting people yeah. in positions to be successful. That kind of jargony term. It's like right. like how do I actually yeah how do I actually give people jobs that fit their skill set and because I know them. Uh, intimately, right. right? Because right. I know what they do and I know what they do well and how do I steer them in the direction to, to be great? Um, yeah. I don't want them feeling like they go home at night and they talk to their girlfriend or their wife and, um, you know, or their boyfriend or their husband and go, I don't feel like I'm being used appropriately. Right. And uh, I know I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but it's all, oh, it's all really inclusive to this yeah. idea of how do you turn an entire company around? Right. There's, there's so much to think about, right? Yeah. Um, that like it's not, it's not just beer. I wish it was just beer. Right. Right. Quality is not it anymore. Beer is not it anymore. Like, that's not a point of difference anymore. So a point yeah. of difference has to be how you go to market, how you take care sure. of people, and what your creative approach is to um, to going to market. So. Now, do you have experience in that before, or is this? Is this something you just stumbled into and were like, you know what, I can do this? Uh, yes and no. Um, <laughs> uh, so I've obviously been in sales. You know, I worked yeah. for Bell's Brewer. I, I, I sold beer for a distributor, sold beer, wine, and liquor for almost five years. Um, managed accounts, did that whole thing. Yeah. Moved into a job at Bell's Brewery where I uh, managed three states, three distributors was kind of my main thing. You know, we, we have to have distributor partners that have exclusive contracts to sell our products. And so I managed those distributors and I managed people on the street that were actually physically going to accounts and selling beer. Okay. I did the same thing. I still was out there selling beer and doing beer festivals and things like that. So right. that's a piece right. of it. Right. But no, I mean... That's the kind of the, the money where your mouth is thing is, is no, I, I've never walked into a situation where somebody said, can you be a part of changing the trajectory of a 25-year-old company and being creative enough on the marketing side while you're actually just the sales director to, you know, to throw your hat in the ring for certain things that you believe in. Um, right. I think it shows me that 
for better or for worse, I do have a marketing bone in my body and I do like that side of it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I'm great at it. We'll see. Sure. It still remains to be seen. It's all kind of up in the air. But yeah. um, but again, it's it's how do we think outside of what's going on? I, you know, another quote I love is like, you know, if you could, if, if, if you could, if something could be done that would fundamentally change your business and you believe it's impossible, yeah. what would it be and how do you do it, right? Okay. I don't know what that looks like in the beer business. I'm not sure, but right. but if there was something that we could do to fundamentally change how the beer business works to our benefit, I'm looking into that all the time. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm trying. Right, um, right. So. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I totally had a great question for you, and I, and I forgot about it. So I'm going to go to something else you were talking about. Okay, sure. Related to beer. Yeah. What are we drinking, man? Cool. You, so you picked um, up some great beers for yeah, us. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, um, to, to kind of, uh, to backtrack a little bit, we, we did meet up with, uh, with Greg Manchild Owens, uh, our boy here at uh, the Monday Night Garage. So Monday Night Brewing Company is a really killer brewery here in Atlanta, Georgia, and they have a second location okay. um, that's on the yeah, west the, the west end of Atlanta. Okay. So they're, um, they're, they have a main location their somewhere. main production facility is on the west side of Atlanta, which is really close to the Atlanta, to the Atlanta Brewing Company. Okay. We're, we're both on the west side of Atlanta. We're actually good buddies. We get along great. Nice. Um, I think we're supposed to battle them in dodgeball soon. Uh, that's a real thing. Um, <laughs> that is fantastic. Monday night likes to battle people. I'm not really sure why. It's like maybe Greg has got his battle rap claws into the guys at Monday night. Yeah, but they it always, sounds like it. They always want to battle people. I just kind of want to live. But, um, I, but I they, see people, and the first thing I want to do is <laughs> battle them. They, that's what rappers uh, do. They, I don't Yeah, do and so Monday night loves to battle people. They love that's to fantastic. challenge people. And, and weird sports. So anyway, um, a dodgeball is uh, totally worth it, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. What, I mean, fun. I'm willing to get hit in the head with a ball for the, <laughs> for the sake of a little bit of fun and beer, right? Right. Um, yeah. it, it can't it can't uh, it can't shake anything up more than it already has been. So yeah. So anyway, we're at the Monday Night Garage, which is their newer facility on the west side of Atlanta, um, or the west end of Atlanta, which is a really beautiful spot. It's really cool, very hip. They do a lot of um, mixed fermentation projects here, wild okay. beers here. They have yeah. a, a, a barrel project making sour beers. Um, also, yeah, they've, they've got barrels all over this place, yeah, too. Yeah, Wherever they can tuck them, they have barrels. For sure. And, Something's and, going on. And I believe that they're doing, um, I believe they're doing all of their um, bottle-released big beers, like their um, like high alcohol, like really cool bourbon barrel age or maple okay. bourbon barrel or apple brandy barrel or whatever they, whatever they may be, scotch barrel. Yeah. I think they're bottling them all on this line here that we're kind of uh, looking into. So anyway, I'm being long-winded. Yeah. No, no, we are. So the beer that we have right now um, is, I believe it's an IPA. It could be a pale ale. I, I don't work for the company. But ultimately what it is is it's a hoppy beer, um, yeah. light in body, light in color, a little bit hazy. And what they did was they used um, Britannomyces. And what Britannomyces is is there's there's three known kind of wild bacteria that we have um, have uh, documented in the brewing culture. And so while we say there's Britannomyces, there's Lactobacillus, and there's Pediococcus, there's millions of strains of those actual sure. those yeah. actual bacteria. But yeah, they're, they're living organisms, right? Like Correct. This is, uh, they're yeast. They're, they're, yeah. they're different kinds of yeast, but we call them wild yeast because they live on trees. They live, um, you know, on our things. They're everywhere. Yeah. They're yeah. out in the open. And right. usually, uh, as a brewery, especially wineries, specifically with Britannomyces, they want to close themselves off to any of that. 
no wild bacteria. Right. The wild bacteria is a bad deal for wine, and it's not a good deal for beer either. So we right. want, that's one of the reasons they have a, 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 a secondary facility here at Monday night, is they don't want any of these wild things that they're cultivating in this facility and allowing to, to um, you know, to get into their beer, right. you know, on purpose. They don't want that to touch their, what we call clean beer. Yeah. Clean beer yeah. being lager beer, you know, um, right. ales, IPAs, stouts, all the things that, that Monday Night's producing in a very yeah. beautiful way. Um, they don't want there to be any kind of cross-contamination because sure. um, it will manifest itself in a beer that wasn't on brand for them. Right. Um, it right. could be a beautiful beer, but it won't be the one that's on the brand. Yeah, it yeah, won't be the beer yeah. in the can, and they don't want that. So, um, so I say all that to say this is a uh, an IPA or a pale ale of some sort that has Britannomyces in it. Britannomyces is a really kind of a the most resilient strain of all yeast. Like if you treat it right uh, or don't treat it right, it still seems to grow and it still seems to eat. Um, if you don't know much about beer, really simply put, um, you make sugar water and yeast eats right. the sugars. They poop out CO2 and make carbonation <laughs> and create alcohol and... Yeah, that's the byproduct. That's, that's the byproduct. Yeah. And, um, and so that's the deal. So, but what they also do, what yeast does is it, they, they kick off flavors when they eat and they right. do the thing and they, they, and they, um, expel, they, they give off flavors. And sometimes right. those flavors, you may drink a German Hefeweizen and go, why does this taste like banana and bubble gum and exactly clove, what I was right? thinking of when you were talking about That's that. strictly yeast. There's yeah. no banana flavoring. Yeah. There's no bubble gum flavoring. There's right. no nothing. It's that this one specific yeast is cultivated yeah. in Germany does this one specific thing. It's a Hefeweizen yeast, and it's really great at what it does. And um, when it eats and when it expels um, aroma and, and gas character, yeah. it, it's all of those kind of big, big flavors of uh, banana and clove and bubblegum. Yeah. Um, yeah. This beer tends to have a lot of tropical fruit flavors, but there's a, a distinct kind of funky character there that has, it's almost indistinguishable. It's kind of, it feels like wood. You're not sure if it's yeah. wood. It's uh, kind of like people say it's like a little bit of a band-aid-y kind of thing, which is kind of like a... a Always love a good band-aid yeah, in your mouth, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> A little bit of that, like, yeah, you get that kind of plasticky yeah. thing. But it sounds bad when I'm saying it, but when you drink it, you know that it's not bad at all. That's the funny thing is, like, I know exactly what you're talking about drinking it, but it's really good. Yeah, and, sure. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm, I'm not actively a home brewer right now, but I have home brewed, you know, 50 or 60 batches in my life, and uh, have great fun doing it. But in the early stages, like that was the big thing for me was like the first discovery was like what I could do with yeast. And then the second discovery was what I could do with hops. And my obsession became like taking the same malts, all, you know, the same brew time, but then splitting the batch and putting one yeast here, one yeast there. But everything else is the same. Well, you're this e hop and that hop. It was just incredible. You're, like you're, was... imme you're immediately better than everybody else. Then <laughs> um, that is that it's is so fun. That's like what I would have told people after I like saw people screw up home brewing, and I was like, "This is the way I'm gonna do it." Um, <laughs> no, but that's I mean that's a really genius way to do it. I mean that we we drink a lot of bad beer these days, and yeah. um, and I think yeah. honestly, you know, I'll, I'll say this before I, I dive into this thing that's gonna make me sound like an asshole. Um, I can't wait. The the craft beer enthusiast in 2018 is yeah. less educated than they've ever been in the history really? of beer. Really? More people and more people and more people are so jazzed about 
beer, craft yeah, beer yeah. flavors, but they don't want to do the research. It's like politics, right. kind of. It's like right. people people are being more and more engaged in, their, in the idea that they have a voice, but they're not doing the research to figure out exactly how right. how they need to project that voice. Yeah. And what the repercussions of projecting your voice a certain way may be. And it's a very similar thing with yeast, with malt, with hops. Um, they're, they're a three thing. They're like a, they're a ball dick ball. It's the, it's, yeah. the, it's the super bad joke, the division sign. You know, like when, <laughs> I don't know if you remember the movie with, I do remember the movie. Jonah Hill's, at the very end, Jonah Hill's trying on this pair of like seven okay. jeans that are really tight yeah. in front of Michael Sarah, and he's like, yeah. he's like, do you think these are my college jeans? And he's like, I wish there was more jeans or there's not enough jeans. They're too tight on you. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, everything's kind of smushed up in here. It's kind of like a division sign, like a ball dick ball. <laughs> um, he's like, it's a three thing. Um, oh, but anyway, sorry, I don't remember that, was, that live. Oh, sorry, that was pretty that was a, funny. Anyway, now I've, now I had to explain it. It's not funny anymore. But I think but, I should put a clip of it in yeah. here. <laughs> so, but no, it's it's a three thing. It's a it's a yeast malt hops situation. Okay. You can't make beer without those three things. Yeah. And the balance of those three things makes you a good brewer or a bad brewer. Right. And that's the bottom right. line. And understanding right. what malt does and what yeast does and what hops do. Um, sure is a beautiful thing, whether it be the expression of making the same base beer and dry hopping it with one single hop right. to, to see what that hop expresses itself as, or like yeah. you said, taking one beer that you know how to make and splitting it in two and saying, I'm gonna use a Belgian yeast yeah. strain on this, it's gonna be a Belgian yeah. Belgian double yeast, and I'm gonna do a just a regular ale yeast, I'm gonna see what that does. Yeah. It's If you have the time and you have the wherewithal to do it, it it's a yeah. really great practice because it will teach you a lot about not just malt, yeah. Not just hops and not just yeast. I think that, that sure. again, the craft, the, the craft enthusiasts now, and I, I, know I said that earlier as kind of like that was like a dickhead thing to say, but <laughs> but but really, like because I love those people. They're, yeah, they're the people yeah. that buy our products. They're the people right. that I love talking to um, when they actually listen to me. Um, but I think that there's a there's a point where there's just things to learn about. Beer is a really complicated thing. It's it's. Yeah. It's like music. It's you know, music can't be broken down by. I mean, I know you talk about music and beer in this podcast. I mean, yeah. Music can't be broken down by like I love the beat, so the song is dope, or like right. the lyrics are really right. cool, so the song is dope. Well, no, not actually. Like right. the melody is really great. Well, it's like well, the melody was dope. You are right. Yeah. But like that melody was amazing. Those lyrics are are terrible. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, it's a great beat, but like the dude's saying nothing. So if you're just here to dance, cool, that'll work for you. Right. But if you're trying to listen to it as an entire composition and you're trying to, to look at it like that, like we do beer, yeah, yeah. There, there's things that are let, you're left wanting with, with things. Right. And I would just love the beer enthusiast to look a little bit deeper into what they're actually doing. Look, maybe, yeah. maybe learn a little bit about off flavors so that they right. can figure out if their favorite brewery from down the street might have some problems with what they're making. Right. And you can identify those problems. And not that you can be the the nerd at the bar, but maybe so you can decide to choose something different. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. You know, and go, okay, I didn't know that that was a flaw in, in, um, in the way this beer was built. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're talking about living organisms. I'm not calling people out for making bad beer. Everyone makes bad beer. Yeah, yeah. I think it was. I think Blake um, Tires, who's a fantastic human being that works for Creature Comforts here in Athens, Georgia. Um, Blake said every brewery makes bad beer. Um, bad breweries serve it. 
Um, <laughs> and I think yeah. that's kind of where yeah. we need, where we all need to live. You know, yeah. is is that um, it's a living organism. We can't always know exactly what we're getting into. We can the best laid plans are there, but life happens, yeah. yeast happens, living organisms happen, and sometimes it doesn't present itself as you want it to be. And you have to decide if you want to cover it up and try to sell it because you're going to cut your loss, or if you're right. going to dump it down the drain and tell people openly, like, hey, we believe in beer quality in a way that we're going to dump our beer because yeah. it's it's more important to dump it and eat the cost and know yeah. that you guys are going to stick with us. Yeah. Um, it's like making a record and people go, that's not that's not it. Like, yeah. it's not your best work. And you go, okay, let's go back to the drawing board. Right. The studio time's not that important. Right. I'll get it when I get it. What I kept thinking of what you're talking is like, in both cases, both for music and brewing, we're talking about an art and a science. Correct. It's, it's not one or the other, it's both. Now, now some people excel at the art and some people excel at the science. And one of the beautiful things about like hip hop, for example, there's a ton of rappers in the history of hip hop that don't know anything about music theory, but that being the science of music, but they're really good at it without knowing it. And so the art works out. Yeah. But then, like, on, on the other hand, sometimes that lack of knowledge can completely ruin the art. And, and I think you see that in, in the brewing world, too. I put a, yeah. uh, uh, I was in one homebrew contest. Um, like 12 years ago or something like that and it was in San Diego I was living in Tennessee and I thought well if I'm going to enter one I might as well enter a bunch Sure. and so I put in like 8 entries I actually got 2nd place in of all things a um, barley wine which I was really proud of because that's an extremely difficult style Sure. and it was my first barley wine ever I just got freaking lucky you know and uh, but everything else tanked. But one of the best things about this uh, this contest was the judges got their notes back. Yeah, absolutely. And I was that thrilled. is a really cool thing. And I could not believe some of the things they picked up on that I thought that sure I cut that corner, but how could anybody taste that? Yeah. I didn't think anybody could taste yeah. it. I couldn't taste it at the time. But you, you hear know. it in music, right? You do hear it in music, especially sure. with your favorite artists, right? Yeah. So like. Not with people that you like, just kind of like join because it, it feels good or it sounds right. good. But your right. favorite artist, when they put something out, if if it feels like they cut a corner or that right. they're that, that like there was a little bit of a swing and a miss on something, we can hear it, like we feel it right. a mile away. So uh, while right. these people are not your, you know, it's actually the opposite in beer. It's the people that are closest to you that are like free alcohol, hell yeah, like yeah. your stuff is dope. And yeah. it's the people that you have to get there. Like, I don't care about your free alcohol. Like, your stuff yeah. needs work. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah. having a producer yeah. um, that, that really doesn't care about, you know, your, your project as much as they care about it being right. Or, like, yeah. your, your ego as much as they care about your project yeah. being right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, there's certain things. It's like Greg and I, I don't know a ton about hip-hop. Um, yeah. That's not really my thing. My wheelhouse is more Americana music and songwriting and that stuff but um but i love hip-hop i love words i love rhyming i love lyrics and so because of that greg and i have a a real kind of uh, a deep understanding of songwriting and and we challenge each other with certain things and but what he's always told me that i've never thought about in the hip-hop community is timing is everything right it's how you land on the beat it's how you start on the beat and all that stuff for me it's a very simple thing it's like the it's it's one and three and two and four and right uh, right you know do you have is 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 it a is it a pickup note to get into a verse 
very, very menial stuff. Whereas when you listen to Kendrick Lamar rap, there's there's a very different set of um, technical stuff happening with how he gets on top of a beat or, or yeah. behind a beat or on, in front of a beat on purpose the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and timing is everything in, in hip-hop and in delivery and timing. And I don't, I don't understand that. It's not my sure. thing. But simply put, most people would say, well, well, it's about a beat and it's about a voice and it's about lyrics and whatever. Well, really, it is about those things, but it's about how they get on the beat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. To start with. And if it feels awkward, it probably is awkward. Right. And, right. Si- and sim- similarly with beer, it's it's not about the flavor or the style. It's did you execute the little things? Did you yeah. did you like did you hit your numbers with your mash temperatures? Because your beer is going to be sweeter than it should be. And it, yeah. Or did you did you did you you know overshoot them and it's going to be drier than it should be? Yeah. Um, did you uh, what was your fermentation temperature like did were you able to keep it at a certain temperature to, to keep intact the the integrity of the style of beer yeah those things are not sexy those yeah. are not flavor those are not style those are not things that sell beer but those are things that make world-class beer yeah and I think that similarly in hip-hop um, the the little things make world-class hip-hop yeah yeah you got to yeah. be a great lyricist and yes you have to be um, on trend and you have to understand how to, you know, I mean, Kanye is so far ahead of everybody in kind of understanding what feels right, you know, when, yeah. he, when he drops a beat on, uh, you know, or, or does someone's record. But the, but the, the fundamentals make it right or wrong yeah. very quickly yeah. in yeah. hip-hop. Um, yeah. Whereas folk music, maybe not. Sure. Yeah. You know? Now, do, do you have um, any music we can play on on here that you've contributed to? Um, yeah, so I was in a band. Um, I was in a band called uh, rec- most recently. Uh, we'll just go that um, called California Prayer Book. I'm not sure what I'm not sure what's available right now. Um, me and this, a guy named Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark's a really talented singer songwriter. Um, I came from a band called Pasadena. There was a, an Americana band in Atlanta for a lot of years, and Brandon was in a band called Gin House that was a pretty okay. successful band. And uh, we did the typical thing. We had babies and wives and the, the <laughs> thing. And, and so yeah. um, so we kind of uh, got together after that when life changed a little bit. And we, you know, I had a bunch of songs I needed somebody to help me sing. You know, I'm a very self-aware gentleman, and I'm not trying to go <laughs> sing them in front of people. Yeah. And, um, Brandon's a beautiful, beautiful singer, uh, great deliverer of lyrics, and so I wanted to get with him, and I wanted to share songs with him, and so we kind of collaborated on some songs and did that. Nice. Um, but really, I have a ton of stuff that I just haven't done anything with right now. Again, it's it's really it's really hard when you're not a singer and you're trying to figure sure. out what the what the next move is to demo your songs, whether it be maybe I could get a publishing deal or yeah yeah. Um, maybe I should just get somebody who can deliver them to where I can play out or whatever. It's, yeah, yeah, it's hard yeah. to figure out kind of what the next move is when, you know, when you have other things going on. So right, I yeah. Know that's a, I know it's not the greatest answer, but um, uh, really I played in a man called Pasadena, and I don't think we have anything online. I mean, there's a there was a um, there was an imprint that was with Hopeless Records at one point that was uh, called P.S. for Panda that uh, a guy named uh, Chad did and uh chad's a great guy and and he put us on that uh, it was a um a compilation album okay. called ps for panda and we have two songs on there under the name pasadena okay. and then again we did some stuff as california prayer book uh, brandon may have taken those songs off because a couple of those were sure. things that, that 
he had originally written the bones of, and I helped with a little bit of that stuff, and he has since added them as solo stuff for him. Oh, I see. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so the answer is I don't know. <laughs> do, you, do you need another beer or anything? Uh, I'll get one. Yeah. Can I buy you one? Sure, if you want to. Yeah. What do you want? Here you go, man. What do we have here? The last will and testament. Oh, geez, you're trying to get me drunk. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I, I almost went for like the 4% sour, but then this one sounded so good, and it's based on like an English ale is like the starting English point, English old right? ale, right? Yeah, so yeah. it was like... Whatever that is. Oh, I don't know, but I like anything English. Yeah, which, it, even which like means, an English which mild, means, this which means nice. no hops, basically. <laughs> English means no hops. Yeah, that's probably, that's probably true. That's like, probably true. they use them, but they use very, very subtle, subtle hops, which is yeah. cool. It's yeah. like old ales, uh, scotch ale, which is not, not English, but, you know, English bitters, right. English whatever. English bitter. Let's talk about English bitter. Let's talk about English bitter. Like, one of the worst terms for a beer ever. It really is a bad because name. Because it really is it doesn't a super, describe anything. super mild beer. Like, yeah. like, they do have British milds, and that's kind of what it is. But a British bitter just was like a little bit like lighter colored beer that sure. maybe had more hop character. But like, like yeah. when you hear the term ESB and it means extra special bitter, as a listener out there, just yeah. order it if you like amber beer. It's easy. It's malty. Yeah. It's yeah. simple. Like, let's all get away from the idea that bitter means bitter. Like, sure. let's stop with that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. My, my, my favorite brewery, uh, well, my favorite brewery to go to in Florida, in South Florida, is Saltwater Brewery. Okay, um, I don't know anything about them. I'd love so to hear about that. There's, there, there's a difference between my favorite brewery in South Florida to drink and my favorite brewery to go to. Okay. Now, that's not a... That's not haterade on no, they're anything two, they're, they brew. They're two different things, right? Yeah. You're buying stuff to take home, or you're going there for yeah. an experience, right? Exactly. So you're and, going to Saltwater for experience. And, and honestly, between the two, well, and I'll just put everything on the table here. Funky Buddha is my favorite in South Florida as far as what they put out. Okay, sure. Saltwater is my favorite place to go, but honestly, on most days, I'd still rather drink Saltwater than I would Funky, because Funky's beers... You just said you want to drink Saltwater, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess Ugh. out of context it sounds terrible. Yeah, canker sores uh, or something? That's crazy. <laughs> you don't want to drink salt water itself. Yeah, yeah. Salt yes. water brewery. So so Funky Buddha, their, their shtick is like the culinary beers. And I love them. But I can only drink so much I of call that. them the culinary beers. What, what do you mean by that? Because they make you just fall out of your colon. <laughs> oh, gotcha. no, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know if, that, if that's true, though. <laughs> but, but no... It could be. It could be. But but like like even no, culinary here, beers are wheat beers. That's like culinary. Like I, I had here uh, the maple bar rum barrel. Yeah, uh, sure. Something or other. Yeah. It was really good. And yep. It's super rich, and I'm really glad it was only eight ounces. It was. I loved it. It was actually probably the best beer I've had here today. I would not drink more than one. And that's how funky is. Like I have a hard time with funky boot. Some of funky boot is beers. Sure. Because they're so rich. Their maple bacon coffee porter is the one that put them on the map. Right. Salt water. They're pretty much straightforward. And I'm so sad because my favorite beer from theirs was uh, an English. I, I guess it was basically an ESB. Sure. Um, well, I think they call actually ESA. Extra special ale. I. Maybe that they, they might have done that on purpose to stay away from the word bitter. bitter. That's probably yeah. what it was, because because it it was basically an yeah. English bitter. And we, we did a beer. It. Yeah, we and did a beer at Atlanta Brewing Company. We called Eastern Standard Beer for the ESB. Um, That's smart. And we That's did it on smart. nitro. It's cool. 
But I'll, uh, I'll ruin your life about Funky Buddha as soon as we get off air. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. I mean, I I believe you. We'll, we'll wait till after. But... <laughs> no, I've, I've had friends that work there. I was friends with, uh, for a while, I was friends with the head brewer there. Okay, he ended cool. up going on to do his own thing. Um, head brewer, I mean, that might not be the right term, because the owner may have been considered the head brewer, but he was the head of the brewery team. You know, that that's another thing we can talk about, too. It's sure. like this whole idea of like using the term brewmaster number one. Like, brewmaster is a German term that should be Braumeister, and you can't really have that term <laughs> unless you have a yeah. certain certification. So whenever you hear someone say brewmaster, like, like maybe just don't use that term if we can yeah. avoid it. Yeah. It doesn't really matter, but, like, sure. whatever. But, like, head brewer, lead brewer, those are two things. Like, okay. so that means whoever runs the brewing, like, like the way we have things at Atlanta Brewing Company, um, for better or for worse, it's not like the way it has sure. to be. But yeah. we have a director of brewing operations okay. who handles all things that, that have to do with brewing. So even canning beer, he runs the entire production back there. Everything. Yeah. yeah. Fermentation, hot side, cold side, canning, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, finished goods, cooler. He's 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 ultimately the buck stops at him. Okay. But we have a lead brewer and we have an assistant brewer. We have a head cellarman. We have now is it things. assistant brewer or assistant to the brewer? It's assistant brewer. <laughs> I'm just messing. This is the office assistant, thing, assistant you know. Brewer. Like, is it is this a? Yeah. Are we yeah. talking about a thing, a thing like that exactly. where it's constantly trying to figure out exactly where you are in the pecking order? Yep. Yep. All right. That's it. Assistant <laughs> assistant brewer. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I that's like what we're doing. So. Yeah. So Look, beer. You want to talk about something other no, than take, beer? No. Take me into your music. Um, okay. Cool. Like, how'd you get into music? Did you grow up yeah. playing music? Did you come from a musical family? Yeah. Take so me into um, I grew up in a really. Um, uh, relatively strict Southern Baptist home okay. uh, in Jacksonville, Florida. So I'm a Florida yeah, boy yeah. like you. Florida um, man. Are you Florida? No, you're I'm, California. I'm California you're originally, California. but, but I, you're a Florida man now. I've been in Florida so, almost five years. So Right. So I, I grew up in Jacksonville, um, born and raised Southern Baptist, uh, did that whole thing. Uh, my parents were not really musical. Uh, my mom sang in the choir a little bit, that kind of thing. But like no real musical stuff. Um, I, I remember... I remember, you know, loving loving the radio and loving music, but really I love skateboarding more. Okay. You know, I loved. Um, they allow skateboarding in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they would they would they would let me out there from time to All time, right. and if, as long as I was in the parking lot away from everybody. You hey, know, right on. Right. They're on. like, wear your vans and get away from here. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I skateboarded, um, did that kind of stuff, yeah. and. You know, a little bit of surfing or you know okay. skiing and stuff with my friends, uh, you know, on on the, on the river in yeah, Jacksonville yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But um, but really, so anyway, that that's neither here nor there. Um, I, I just didn't I didn't grow up in any kind of real musical family. That was not a thing. It wasn't until I was about 16, 15, 16 years old. I moved to Atlanta, um, uh, ninety three, and uh, I met a friend in my neighborhood named Ryan. And Ryan had this amplifier, and he had this guitar, and he plugged it in, and he made a sound that made my wiener stand on end, it made my hair stand up, it made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Everything in my being went, what is that? How do I yeah. do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just couldn't believe that there was this sound coming out of an amplifier. And like, you know, I wasn't a dummy. It wasn't like I was this country yeah. pumpkin kid, but. I just didn't really understand the fact that you could plug an electric guitar in, in your house, and hit a chord, and holy yeah. shit, the earth would crack open, and you know, yeah. you know, um, 
you know, Freddie Mercury and, and, you know, Tom Petty would wave at you as soon as you hit the G chord, you know? But that was the real thing, you know? That's the way right. I felt, kind of. And um, I'm obviously being facetious, but... Sure. Um, and so I immediately was like, I have to play guitar. I have to do this. Right. So 16 years old, I, you know, I, I bought that same amp from okay. my buddy and... Um, uh, my parents got me a guitar and I learned how to play and I was a horrible player. I was, you know, I was learning how to play. I was singing Green Day songs in my basement, you know, like okay. to, to, you know, Dookie, like 96 or whatever. And um, Yeah, that's the and, time. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so I did that for a long time and uh, and then I, I, I got into a band when I was in, um, through my church, like, okay. like not a church group, but like a bunch of sure, dudes from yeah, my yeah. church, you know, like yeah. it normally happens. Um, but that's and, how Royal Ruckus got started. We were three youth group kids. Yeah, that's, I get and, it. And that's the way it seems, seems to always happen. You're yeah. like-minded kids that, exactly. that want to do something cool, want to do something different, you know, want to do something outside of your youth group, but you've got a built-in audience, kind of. Exactly. Right? At least to start with, right? right? Which is a beautiful thing. I don't think enough people talk about this, like, beautiful, like, kind of uh, springboard that your youth group is. Like, yeah. we look back on them and we're like, youth group, ugh. I played a million youth groups and yeah. I rocked them all. And it's like... Dude, it's it's pretty awesome to have a built-in support system right. to where you could, I'm glad you, said that. you know, that, that you could sense. that you could like, um, th- those are your friends already, right? Yeah, and absolutely. they believed in what you're doing, and your youth pastor and the people that were that were supporting him, kind of like it was a safe place, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've even heard, I've really, I've even heard like um, really amazing Mar- Americana artists like John Moreland. Um, I'm not sure if you ever heard of him, but he's from uh, Oklahoma. And John Moreland grew up, and he was like, the only place that we could play was the church, you know? And he was like, he was like, I don't, he's like, now I have a lot of things to say about the church. He's like, but at the time, you know, he's like, I have a fondness for the church. It was the only place they would let us play. The place that punk rock shows happened was the church, Yeah. you know? Yeah. He was like, why were they so kind to these people that were so bad, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a beautiful thing. So when you look back at it at 39 years old, you're like, those were... Those were really, yep. pe- those were people doing yeoman's work, weren't they? Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. They were like opening doors to organizations and to, to, to rooms yeah. that had no business having those kind of ne'er-do-wells walking in there. But they yeah. did it with the understanding that maybe somebody would come in and feel comfortable yeah. and be comfortable to come back. And yeah. there's something beautiful about that, for sure. Um, can, can, let me interject real yeah, briefly. Yeah, sure, sure. That, that was my experience, too. Yeah. And in, in Bakersfield, where we're from, you know, they... They're just, the scene to this day is still very limited. Uh, actually, in hindsight, of course, I don't, I haven't lived there in many years, but when I go back, it doesn't seem like there's a scene like there used to be. But even when there was a scene, I think back about what we did, and I feel like there was a period where we were in the newspaper like every single week, whether that was like upcoming events or whether the actual entertainment writer was writing about us. And the reason we were was because all those churches were open their doors to us. Yeah. And we were literally probably the most active group in Bakersfield. And if that's not true, we were definitely the most active rap group. Yeah. It was because the churches were willing to open their doors to us. It's and a crazy thing, so right? many other people didn't have those opportunities or weren't thinking in terms of that. And so I get jaded a little bit about certain aspects of, of the history and about like what I'm trying to do right now. And I have to pull the camera back for a moment every now and then because uh, there's a lot of actual really good stuff that happens in that context. 
and I there's, forget about those things so a, often. There's a ton of things, man. Like, yeah. and I, I, you know, I'm glad we're having this conversation because, like, I do Americana music now. That's not a thing that the church is a part sure. of right now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. But for whatever reason, specifically, hip hop music and punk rock music and hardcore music, yeah. Um, the church was like, I think because of the kind of grassroots nature of it, and and you know, the way that it looked. I mean, the church is one of those things that we have to look back on. We have to go like, we had it easy, like yeah. compared to a lot of other people. Like, like I'm glad that I grew up in that environment because we laugh at it now, and we kind of think like, did it pigeonhole us? Did it do this? Did it whatever? Yeah. No, it gave us an opportunity to play for people is what it Absolutely, did. Absolutely. Yeah. And. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's there's a misnomer there that like because it was a church, you know that you you were considered a Christian band or you were considered a Christian act. Yeah. Um, that's not the case. I mean, we saw tons of bands come in and do that stuff. I played with all kinds of yeah. bands. Um, I mean, I I I only I partially disagree with you only because I feel like we painted ourselves into a corner playing too many church shows. Right. To the point where it felt like the only options we had, and it probably is true, the only options we had were Christian record labels and things like that. So, But I think that's because we did that on purpose, right? Because in our youth, we were connected to the church. Sure. You and me specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Greg specifically yeah, and yeah. other people specifically. Like, I'm saying there were other people that, that were able to walk in those doors, play a show. Yeah. And yeah. have a have a really unbelievably welcoming opportunity That's to true. walk in and set their amps up or set their their turntables up and, and do a thing, and then they were able to walk out of the doors almost like the new relevant church as a musician. It was like yeah. they, it was like you're welcome to come in here and I'll give you a spot. You yeah. can take as much with you when you leave as you want, or you can leave it all at the door, and I'll accept you the next time you walk in, which was right. a beautiful thing. You and I. And other people decided we were a product of the church, and we were we were willing that to accept fair. that we were willing to accept yeah. that audience, yeah. yeah, and we were willing to chase that audience down because they had been so good to us, yeah. And we found a niche in that audience yeah. that, like, as long as we do what we do because of our faith and because of what we care about, yeah. then we have we have a built-in audience. Yeah. Then that was how you got to the point where you're like, oh no. Oh shit! Oh me! We, <laughs> right? Like now we can just do. Now, now I have to go. I have to try to find a Christian record label, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that, was also, that was also that was also that was also easier than you just than put it the right trying way. to sign yeah. the Def Jam, though, right? Right. You're so, right. You're right. You're absolutely so, right. So in that sense, that's all I mean. It's like you definitely we, put we your chose an on. we chose yeah. an avenue, um, yeah, and we chose it purposely. And not because we were trying to get a leg up on somebody. We were just a part of the church. Yeah. But I'm saying that there are other people that, that I, I was trying to put perspective on it, that there were other people that uh, saw yeah, the yeah. church as, wow, what a wildly interesting way to right. prop up my art. And I don't even care about the church. But the church yeah. was so good to open its doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and in a time There are a lot of venues like that. Yeah, and sure. we think that we're so progressive now, right? Right. That was so progressive. That's true. That was such a progressive yeah. idea to let punk rock bands come in and hang from the rafters of your student building. Yeah. yeah. Like during a fifth quarter after like a freaking high school football game on a Friday night. <laughs> like Squad 5 yeah. is climbing around the rafters yeah. of, of, you know, of a of some weird place in, at Blackshear Baptist Church and, in, in, yeah. you know, and uh, 
freaking Oakwood, Georgia. Like, yeah. like that's the kind of stuff that was like that yes. would have never yeah. happened anywhere else, yeah. right? Like, masquerade would have been get the hell out of here. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know who you are. Yeah. You know, can you bring can you bring 120 people? Yeah. Oh no, get out of here. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a church, you could bring 120 people, and they would accept these yahoos to come in. Yeah. And again, so I don't want to. I love I'm it. harping, but yeah, that was it. I think that I think that we. Um, I think that people that grew up in that scene are have a tr- have have trouble. Like I think we see it um, for what it is, and we kind of love it for what it is, and we kind of almost feel like it stifled us in ways sometimes. Sure. Sure. But if we look at it in a different way, to how many other opportunities all over the country did that open up? For people that weren't Christians, that weren't that weren't yeah. churched folks to come yeah. in and play their art and do their thing yeah. um, in front of people, and that art was valuable art, you know. Yeah. And the yeah. church was that catalyst. So, anyway, I'm, I'm harping now, but uh, <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's so good though. But yeah, we got off the subject. But yeah, where, where did we leave I, off? I'm gonna, I'm gonna like I'm gonna go quick. So okay. you're talking about my music, I think. Yes. So I yes. played in a Christian Thank band. I, tra- us back I on traveled track. across the country in a band called Spitting Image. We were the worst band in the world with the best dudes in the world. Okay. Um, we were so fun. <laughs> we were the we we had the best time. We were so sweet and kind to everybody. We did everything right. We our yeses were our yeses. Our noes were our noes. Everything yeah. that everything that you want a Christian band to be, we were that band. Yeah. We just sucked as a band like our songs were right. not tight you right. know whatever but we were a heck of a live show we were you know we did this thing so we traveled around the country lots of camps doing that for you know a bit like we didn't tour tour in the sense that it was like every summer it was like okay now we have summer people are done with college and done with whatever yeah let's get on the road it was like okay we're gonna see if we can do like 45 shows this summer wow you know or whatever and then yeah, yeah. go back home and then start school again <coughs> and then That's play, awesome. play throughout the year um at different churches um i left that band and i uh, i joined a band called pacifico okay. um Pacifico was this really cool band that also had had similar roots in the church, um, but they were a rock band that had no real connection to the church. Okay. Um, a singer named Matt Schwartz, who's a really talented guy. Uh, my buddy Ben White, who is a bass player. Uh, a guy named Joel uh, played drums, and they had uh, brought me in to play the other guitar. And okay. um, I came in, I played that, and I was just, um, you know, I-, I was a guitar player for the first time. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't doing anything else. I was just a guitar player. And, and uh, we got to a point after a lot of collaboration, some management, some different stuff, some records we put out, um, that we had a manager that wanted us to move to Los Angeles. Um, we moved to Los Angeles. It was the typical story of the money ran out that we had sent to Los Angeles. Uh, we got there. There was no money. Uh, we, oh, live with our, we, li- we live with our friends, uh, Karen and Aubrey, who were the two most amazing human women on the planet for um, for Aubrey also had a bunch of babies so that makes her a human a superhuman in a different way yeah. but um, but Karen and Aubrey let us stay at their house for, for, for basically a couple months while we yeah. tried to like figure out how we were going to put it all back together a couple yeah. months doesn't sound very long but in when you don't have any money right. and you're there with nothing going on except one show at right. the whiskey that's been paid for um, for you to go play. And in California, yeah. if you don't know, everything is pay to play. Yeah. You don't play the Rainbow Room or the whiskey or any of those places on the Sunset Strip or any of that stuff as a rock band without right. paying them to, to yeah. get on the show. So 
So, uh, thank God a rehearsal space had been paid for and um, the show had been paid for, so we went out there and did that. Wow. Did the best we could. We had some some nibbles from major label record labels and um, had those conversations, and it just never worked out. Uh, Obviously, you can imagine we came back home and that kind of, you know, there was little appetite for much else after that, so um, that didn't last very long. Um, we all were living together in, in an apartment, um, uh, kind of off Peachtree Industrial Boulevard with lots of roaches. <laughs> and uh, uh, so we, we did that, and I started a band called Pasadena. Okay. Um, I started writing Americana songs. I'd never written songs before, really, like, fully formed songs, and that's what I did. And um, started a band, brought a couple of those guys with me. Some of them dropped off. and. Uh, played for about six years in a band called Pasadena. We did a lot of really fun things. Again, talked to talked to record labels in Nashville about what the possibility of doing something was, and just wasn't. You know, they they wanted touring, and my my mission statement was wives, jobs, relationships come first. We're not going to do it. The, the mission statement is I, I I don't care how much you love me. You either love our songs and you want to put them out, yeah, or you respect the idea that we're not we're not leaving. Yeah. Um, I can't ask these guys to leave their, their families. I can't ask. I'm not doing this again. Yeah. Um, dumbest thing probably you can do as a band. Yeah. yeah. But at some point, you're getting older and you have to stand your ground. Like, sure. I knew the songs we were writing were good. People liked them. People respected us as a band. Yeah. Um, and they were interested. But we're not going to sign a record deal and go, hey, all right, uproot your lives, guys. Right. I, I, right. That was, I promised them before they started as the leader of that band that that's not what we we're going to do and that was never our mission statement yeah. our mission statement yeah. was to play music in Atlanta and surrounding areas and if people thought the songs were good enough they would find them way, their way to people right. and they did and they didn't um, sure so that was that and that was kind of it yeah um, well and it's, I think it's really important um, because I've definitely been guilty of this it's really important to know what you want yeah and then do that yeah, it was burnt. You know, California burnt yeah. me, and yeah. California was one of those things where it wasn't California. Um, I mean, right. LA right. sucks. Let's be let's be fair, <laughs> but um, but it wasn't LA. I don't blame yeah. LA. I blame the situation. I blame right. the naivety. I blame all the things. We wanted it. We saw the opportunity. We had interest in you know for major label records, uh, record companies, and we thought that was the way to do it. And that wasn't yeah. the way to do it. Yeah. Um, and I was the anti. I was that anti guy when I came back from LA. You know, yeah. I was. I want to start this band. I want it to sound like this. Who's coming with me? And yeah. thank God people believed in what I was doing. Yeah. You know, I guess just because it made six years of my life really fun. Um, sure. Who wants to come with me? And let here's my promise to you. Yeah, we're not doing this, and we're not doing this. Yeah, Um, this is Jerry Jerry Maguire moment. Well, coming with me. Yeah, it was. Well, it was, but it was like, who's coming with me? Because I'm gonna promise. Yeah, I'm gonna promise you that I'm not gonna (laughs) abuse you. You know, Um, because we were all at that spot where we'd all been like, can music be a thing for us? And I was like, music cannot be a thing for us. Like, stay in your job. Let's all go get jobs. Let's let's have let's play music and have fun. And if we're not doing that, then probably in the wrong game, you know. Um, so there, there was there was that. Um, that. That's been one of the interesting things for me coming back is like looking at, um, you know, being off the scene for a while and coming back and touring the country again and like sizing up, you know, who I'm performing with. And like there's there's very, very few people still doing it that are our age. Yeah. 
but the people that are that are like on the scene on the regular to me are super inspiring and then the people who are not on the scene but they're still the creative types and haven't lost touch with the artist side of them like yourself yeah I don't, I don't care if you're even writing anything right now like you're still in touch with it and that to me speaks to me and and like I've kind of through all of that and through talking to all these different people I've done like I, can, I can't imagine not doing what I'm doing right now now I might change my I mean maybe in two years I'll go you know what I've wrapped enough I'm done yeah. but I don't see that happening it might I don't see that happening but right now I'm just like so filled with like the, the creative experience and and but also just being okay with doing what I'm doing. I'm not trying to get a record deal. Yeah, no, like, that, isn't that, a isn't that like the best feeling in it the really world? Is. It's like it's like yeah. dating someone without expectation, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's like loving someone for exactly who they are yeah. and being like, I may get my heart broken by you, but like yeah. I'm not willing to like even go there right now. Like sure. um, you know, and, and it's like you mean you said it beautifully, it's you know the the greatest thing about art right now, and specifically music, is that we have streaming services. We, we can put yeah. our music on anything we want to, and like yeah. we, we have the outlet now to get our songs to anyone. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff that I was preaching to to the band Pasadena that I wanted to do, I didn't know anything about that. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't forward thinking. Like I, I want to go ahead and get that out on the podcast. <laughs> like, like it wasn't like I knew about this stuff and I right, understood right. it. I just said, if the songs are good enough, they'll find their way to people. And I didn't know what that meant. I just kind of was doing that as a rallying cry to my guys to say, I want you to know I'm not going to ask things of you that you can't do. Yeah. You know, I'm not yeah, going to yeah. ask things of you that are going to strain your relationship with your wife or your girlfriend or your job. Yeah. Um, that was what that meant. But really, it's come to manifest itself in a way that like... and and. I didn't go further, but I, the Pasadena has been done for for quite a while. We've done a couple of reunion shows. Yeah. Um, but I, I did a project with a buddy named Brandon um, Clark, who uh, is is uh, was the singer in a band called Gin House, and, um, and so uh, we've been writing. We'd write songs under the name California Prayer Book, and but anyway, it was the whole idea is so we can we can write songs and put them out. Like yeah. let's go spend the money, record them, put them out, and. If the song is good enough, it'll figure out yeah. its way. It'll it'll weasel its way somewhere, right? Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Maybe that's idealistic. But the idea is, we don't have to. We don't have yeah. to, to change our lives anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. The music industry is in is is at a point, strangely enough, where like downloads are king, right? Right. And how do you do that and whatever? But like, you can put it out. Like, I can send yeah. it to the world in a way I never could send it to the world. 10 years ago right um and there's a beauty to that yeah. and that speaks to our desire to say i want to make art i want to make music yeah. um and i don't really give a shit what anybody actually thinks yeah. at the end of the day i want them to love it and i want them right. to have access to it and i have those things but i don't need anybody to validate me with a contract yeah. with yeah, a piece yeah. of paper yeah. i don't need anybody to validate me with something that gives me um Comf- you know, uh, uh, you know, that makes me comfortable for so many years, right? Um, and that's kind of where we are, you know. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, so take me uh, as we as we start moving toward uh, the conclusion of the episode. Take me from sure. how 
It's going to sound like a really big question. Yeah. Take me from how a Southern Baptist skateboarding kid yeah. who eventually plays music. Gets in the beer business. And in the beer business. And then ends up divorced. It's like all, it's a Southern Baptist nightmare. I think you Rock could, and sex, rock and roll, skateboarding. I, I, think, I think you just said it all. I think that's how you end up divorced. Is you, you're, a, you're, a, you're a kid from Florida who skateboards, who's a, who as a Southern, born, born and raised Southern Baptist, gets into music and oh. then gets into beer. See? Equals divorce. See? See, Phyllis? Now, this is what we've been talking about all these years. Divorce is dope. No, I'm no, just, it's I'm just, awful. I'm just kidding. You know? it's, it's actually the worst. Sometimes um, it's necessary, but it's always you know. Shitty. You know what I say in yeah. my in my situation specifically, and I, I want to be really clear, like that I'm willing to talk about this, but yeah. I don't want to sound cavalier in any sure. of this stuff. Yeah. Um, my divorce was necessary, um, and I'm and I'm very hopeful. You know, okay. so. Um, I, I want to say though, and, and I believe that that my ex-wife is very hopeful as well. Sure. Um, you know, uh, I have an unbelievable ex-wife. Uh, I wouldn't have spent time with her if I didn't believe that she was that person. Yeah. yeah. Um, we found ourselves in a in a spot where um, we got married relatively young. Um, we were married in uh, gosh, this would so October eighth would have been our thirteenth anniversary. Wow. Um, so. Was that 2006? Five. Five? Yeah. Yeah, I'm bad at math. Um, yeah. So that would have been our, our 13th anniversary. And, um, uh, you know, we were we dated for about four years before that or three years before that. So you're talking another 16-ish right. years right. Right. All, all together. Yeah. Um, which is a real strange thing to come out of as a divorcee, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, um, it's like it's like coming out of prison. You're like, they do what? Yeah, 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 yeah. Seriously, I'm Seriously. like, my like, people lick buttholes. That's crazy. Who does that? <laughs> sorry, I learned about that on a movie. Am I, am I allowed to say that? Yes, yeah, you're allowed to say that on a podcast. I'm like, I learned about that on a movie. I was like, that can't be real. Yeah, I'm like, no, why is everybody just... spitting on each other? This is crazy. Oh, I was yeah. like, who am I? I was like, I'm definitely old. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah, you yeah. can't spit on me. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, don't do that. Anyway, that was that was a bad porn joke. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I want to apologize sincerely to the entire listening audience for that bad porn joke. No one's spitting. It was a bad thing. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, no, um, but prospectively, it was it was crazy. So it, yeah. you can imagine it's like coming out of prison. And like it's like grabbing your wallet and you're like your your like phone that doesn't work anymore and being like, right. Here you are. You're released into the you know. You're released into the uh, the wild, and you're right. like, does any of this work? Like any of my any of my tackle? Like does any of yeah. like does I don't even know. No. Like, can I do this with somebody it's else? A, it's a whole new thing. Uh, no, it's crazy. But it's um, <laughs> again, you know, life happens. And uh, right. I was I was we were married relatively young, and um, there's a part of me that thought uh, respectfully that I may have married the wrong person. Sure. Um, but you don't know that, and and you know, and and I loved the, the shit out of my wife, and she was great, and and she was a great wife to me, and we have a beautiful four-year-old son um, named Cooper, who is like the greatest thing that's ever happened to either of us, and so you know, when you right. see something like that, you go, it couldn't have been that bad, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It, like although I can't do this and she can't do this anymore like it can't be that bad because you can't make something this perfect without two parts that actually work right yeah. Um, yeah. and so I think there's perspective to be gained from that kind of thing 
But um, but yeah, um, I think that uh, I think more specifically, what you want to know for the shipwreck version of this podcast <laughs> is, um, you know, it it, uh, it wasn't necessarily music for me. I think that you probably hear a lot of things that we're talking about music to where. Um, it's like, oh, my touring, whatever, drove it into the ground, sure, sure, or yeah, my, yeah. my, my, I was away from the family, or whatever. For me, it was, um, it was the beer business, and the beer really? business is very similar to touring. You know, you're away sure. from the family, but here's what people don't understand: is that when alcohol is involved all the time, yeah, you start building stories, up, right? Yeah. So when when I go to South Carolina for two days. In Charleston, um, there's a story built in my wife's mind about what I'm going to be doing there because I'm there on someone else's dime. I'm there to sell alcohol and I'm there to drink alcohol to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Um, while I support the brand, um, whether it be an event that I have or whether it be just visiting accounts and taking care of customers, I think it's easy for that to turn into a party in someone's mind. Right? Sure. It's always a party. Every day is a party because there's alcohol in there. Well, that's not necessarily the truth. Right. You know, it's a really fickle business to be selling beer, to be selling liquor, to be selling wine. Specifically right now, with the advent of all this craft brewing, um, you know, success in the United States, it's a harder job than it's ever been. But I think that it's easy to, to if, if you have the propensity to do it, to build, yeah. to build up a story that, that someone's drinking everywhere they go all the time. Yeah. That they're drunk when they get home, that they're whatever even before it happens. Yeah, yeah. It does happen from time to time. I did sure. show up drunk from time to time. I was too drunk to call my wife when I was in South Carolina or Alabama. Um, that yeah. happened from time to time. I want to be very clear about sure. that. But, um, you know, there are, but but again, there are ways on the other side of things to, for the beer business to feel like you don't do real work. All you do is have a party. Right. Because alcohol right. is involved. Right. And I don't think it's I don't think it's just the beer business. I think if, if I'd have been in the wine business or the liquor business, it would yeah. have been very similar. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think sure, that, even even in my business, I take people out for drinks a lot. Yeah. Sure. Like I could easily see everything you're saying. I could totally see yep. being thrown at me yep. for my own job. Yeah, yeah, you're you're always just entertaining people yeah, and yeah. and whatever. And it's like, yeah. no, no, I'm I'm really working. Like, do you not right. recognize the fact that there's been a paycheck coming in for right, a very right, long right, right. time? Yeah. And I'm doing my job at a high level. Um, so, again, I don't exactly know where we want to go with this, but but generally speaking, you know, I think that the beer business, um, if if I want to be honest, put a lot of weight on uh, my relationship, and um, I had a very patient. Uh, very understanding wife that became very impatient and very um, and very uh, uh, she was not understanding at yeah, all yeah, yeah, yeah. as as the, the thing moved on uh, for better or for worse and so I think that yeah. I just want to speak a little bit on the idea that like like when you're in the alcohol business it is very easy to find yeah. yourself with a partner who just doesn't understand that there's a real job you know, it's sure. it's uh, it's it's like it's kind of like the Vietnamese in, in Vietnam. It's like they they were doing pretty heavy duty stuff in these crazy tunnels, but all it looked like was a mountain to us, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm doing a lot of stuff. It just looks like alcohol to me. Right, right, um, right. You know, what was for you? Was there a like a moment where you went, 
oh shit, it's wrecked. Or, or yeah. was it like yeah. just a gradual unraveling that at some point you had to look back and go, it's over? Yeah, I think it was a little of both, to tell you the okay. truth. I think there was probably a gradual unraveling. I think things got um, increasingly toxic, but in a slow way. And having a, a young son at home, yeah. um, there was an increased focus on the toxicity that maybe we were bringing to the table, or okay. or we had the propensity to bring to the table, even sure. if it wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that we got a little bit hyper-focused on the idea that, like, okay, okay it's not about us anymore. Um, it's getting ugly, and are we projecting on our, our young son? Yeah. Um, and then I think that, um, yes, I think, <laughs> I think I, there was also a time, um, once once we had we had one kind of knockdown drag out fight that that I I walked away from the situation. Um, I had a in, I had an interesting situation where I, my mother lived in my neighborhood. So my mother is okay. my mother and my father got a divorce after like 37 years, which was oh wow ironic and strange and kind of out of nowhere yeah. and whatever. And we uh, we kind of nursed my mom back to health a little bit um, as she moved from Denver back to uh, Atlanta. For me, in my opinion, like the last time we could we could have this kind of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. And I left, and I went to my mother's house, and I never went back. Um, yeah. I still live in my mother's house. My mother lives in Florida now, and I live in that house um, in the same neighborhood as my son wow. and my mother. I mean, my son and my, my yeah. ex-wife yeah, 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 yeah. Um, in Flowery Branch, Georgia, so I live substantially for, further north. Yeah. Um, but but to, to answer your other question, I talked to a good friend of mine who had gone through a divorce, and I kind of like... I. He's a really smart guy, and I, I kind of just did one of those, like, you know, um, just completely vomiting of feelings into him sure, and, yeah. and help him kind of help. I asked him to help me kind of sort through them. And what we came up with kind of, and he had told me this stuff that he had felt before, was that there's kind of like a three-part thing, right? You, I got to a, a point where I didn't want to live that way anymore, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff from from that point when you say I don't want to live this way and you walk away and you go to your mother's house and you sleep in some bed that's not yours and you like right. look up at the ceiling at night and you go what have I done Am yeah. I have I ruined my son's life have I ruined my life um, yeah. holy shit why did I eat that extra hot dog I gotta do yoga like whatever yeah, it is yeah, yeah. you're looking yeah. up at the ceiling just talking about God knows what you know um, then you get to a point where you're like you're like, like you know, I can't live like this, and then you go, I don't want to like, I don't, I'm, or I don't want to live like this. I'm not gonna live like this anymore. Yeah. And you've established you're not going back. And then there's that part of you that goes like, and I don't care what anybody thinks. Yeah. And that's the tough one, right? So right. there's this right. idea that like, when there's a stigma with getting divorced, it's like, yeah. how is this gonna play with people? How do I explain this to people? Um, how yeah. do we how do we split our friends up? How do we do this? That's um, always fun. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's it's. I don't want to live this way. I'm not gonna live this way. Yeah. And it's you know, I, I don't care what you know. I don't care what anybody thinks, basically. And so, I got to the point. It took me probably like six months to where I said, with all the ugliness. I just don't care what anybody thinks of me anymore. Because here's the thing. You don't know the conversations that happen behind closed doors. That's why I would encourage anybody listening to this, 
if your friend, your buddy, your brother, your sister, anybody that's getting a divorce, get out of the way and tell yeah. them you love them. Because yeah. at the end of the day, there are no sides. Yeah. You know, you're not involved in it. You're not involved enough to know what the conversations behind closed doors are. You can't pick a side on who to take care of. What you have to do is say, I love you both. I love you. Yeah. You're my you're my family or you're my best friend or whatever. Let me know how I can help you. And then yeah. get out of get, then get out of the way, right? Yeah. Because there's just nothing That's to gold right there's there. just nothing to say, right? Yeah. There, you know I, I don't want to live this way and I don't care what people think of me now. Like you yeah. have to get to those points. Right. And um and that's a that's a big portion of it is socially in your conversations with your friends they need to be able to know like it's like also if i can give any more advice to people listening don't Please say do. don't say i'm sorry to anyone yeah like because there's no sorry like we got here for a reason for better yeah. or for worse right now if somebody was was ousted or somebody was sure. was left behind in a really ugly situation and you know that situation intimately by all means tell them you're sorry for the way things ended up yeah but when you don't know a situation or you just know that people were together and then all of a sudden they're not together don't tell them you're yeah. sorry because there's nothing to be sorry about like I, we're I, usually happy we're, we're yeah. usually looking forward to the possibilities and the hopefulness sure. of the future and usually on both sides sure and I know, and I don't mean that in like a negative way. Like it's not. Right. Like, don't tell me you're sorry. Like, you can tell me you're sorry. It's no big deal. Right. Um, but I just would always say like, no, no, no. Don't be sorry. Thank you so much for saying that. Sure, sure. But I'm very, I'm, I'm happy. I'm hopeful. Um, but see, I think, I think that's what people mean is like, because a divorce, 100% of the time is not pre-planned. Right. You know, you don't marry someone sure. planning like, oh, this is gonna be a four-year situation. Right. Right, and it you is know, the death of you, something. You you go into it, and when people say they're sorry, what they're what they're trying to say is, you know, I'm sorry about the dashed hopes and expectations and sure. dreams. You know, it's it's what always you see, tricky though. It's what always you, tricky. But what I'm sure you've seen, like I've yeah. seen, the people that have either been through it before or yeah. have or have dealt with friends closely, they go, they say, "Hey, how are you?" That's the first thing they say, because. Yeah. They say, how are you doing? How are yeah. things with you? How is your life? And that you is know? a much more um, important thing to say. And or ask, because, I say. Because, and, yeah. and honestly, that, I only say that to say that people, that people that have seen it or been through it walk up to people and they give them a hug and they say, how are you? How are you doing? How are things? Yeah. How's your life? Um, people that don't know how to deal with that say, hey, I'm, I wanted to tell you I'm really sorry. Yeah. And then they go, but I mean, I'm sure you're happy. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So they, they know. It's, a, it's all going to work out. Everything yeah. happens for a reason. And Those are the things that I hate. Uh, well, so I got a few rapid fire questions for you. Yeah, sure. Hit me. Uh, so you got a great head of hair. And you've <laughs> Thank got you. A, I'm covering it up tonight. You've got a neatly trimmed beard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. what, do you, what do you do for beard and hair care? Uh, that's a great question. So I was married to a woman who took care of my hair for a long time. Okay. So that obviously you can imagine stopped upon our divorce. <laughs> That's um, crazy. Or our she separation. <laughs> well, she might have been willing to help. I'm not sure I was willing to sit down and let her have sharp objects near my head. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> uh, my buddy uh, Ben White here in Atlanta. Um, uh, 
he's he's a really great hairstylist. I think he's at um, uh, what do they call it? Um, oh, Bob Steele, uh, Bob Steele Salon. Uh, okay. ben, ben White is uh, also a great musician, uh, unbelievable hairstylist. He's been cutting my hair, which. Uh, the painter's house doesn't get painted if you don't ask, so uh, my hair looks like a wreck right now. Uh, I take care of the beard myself. Uh, on a side note, though, Ben, um, for, for a lot of people that might might be listening, especially if you're in the Atlanta area, Ben is, is Kurt Cobain in the Nirvana cover band called Nameless Nameless here oh, in wow. Atlanta. Word. Um, and he is fantastic, and the band is fantastic. And nice. so they do really, really cool, like... Um, uh, reincarnations of, of Nirvana shows um, from from basically like from beginning to end whether it be wow. they do um, the, the, a couple times a year they'll do the uh, the unplugged and they dress the part wow. and they have the candles and do the sit down and the thing they bring the meat puppets up and the whole deal um, that's amazing yeah and, and they'll do awesome. like uh, they'll do like the live and loud New Year's Eve thing that was one of the most you know uh, most loved concerts of Nirvana that was a uh, on MTV on New Year's Eve, uh, where they wow. were in Seattle, and they did that show, and they had the uh, the in utero statues up, and Kurt Cobain was knocking them over, and they'll they'll do that <laughs> they'll do that entire set in its entirety. Right. Um, and actually, if there was a hiccup in the set, like if they screwed up a song, they'll screw up the song in the same way. That's um, awesome. So it's really really cool. And so Ben's not only an unbelievably talented hairdresser, but he's a he's a very talented musician. He plays bass in a band called Bexley. And has played wow. my bands before, but uh, yeah, Ben's great. So that's where I get my hair done. Nice. Yeah. Now, what do you do for your beard, though? You said you take care of that yourself. I just, you just do it. I, there's nothing to be the scissors or uh, no, no. I just I clippers. Have a, yeah, just clippers. I just kind of. I almost like a. Honestly, I kind of like take it like a uh, like a bush. Like I just kind of like comb it out a little bit, and I okay. take I take some clippers and I just like trim it up for a while until it gets too unruly yeah. and too gray, and then I'll go back down to like a you know a nine guard or something and just trim it all up and okay. clean it up but yeah just sense. like it's almost like hedging prunes <laughs> or, 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 or you know pruning hedges, pruning hedges. I, hedging prunes i love hedging prunes see this is, a, is that big beer you gave me i'm hedging prunes these days <laughs> hedging my bets and i'm hedging prunes i love it yeah i love it do you eat tacos because I eat tacos. Tacos are the best. What, yeah, what, what's sure. your favorite taco? Um, I'm going to always go with something that has, like, some sort of a, like, always meat, obviously, but, like, yeah. an alpaca. Well, that's not obvious, because there are some good veggie well, tacos. they are. Mushroom tacos are really great when they're done right, but uh, yeah. al pastor specifically, and then, obviously, some sort of steak taco. I really love cilantro. Don't love raw onion so much. Okay. So I'm a little bit nerdy in that sense, but, um, but yeah, like... Like any kind of real tacos, I really dig. Um, uh, obviously, corn tortillas and, and yeah. kind of like green salsa and you know um, the tomatillo salsa, that whole thing. I, I love that stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm in on tacos. Nice, that's yeah. fantastic. Uh, El Pastor is my favorite, uh, yeah. just in general. I sure. I generally, if I if I want to know what I think of a place, a Mexican place, I'll order there at least one El Pastor. And then yeah. I want to try their chips and salsa. Well, next time you, uh, next time you're going to be in town, let's get together. We'll, we'll, yeah. call, we'll call Manchild over, and I'll do a, uh, I'll do a pork butt on the grill. I mean, on the, uh, on the smoker, and then uh, I'll do, uh, I'll smoke my pineapple, and uh, we'll do like a, uh, some pickled onions and the whole, uh, the whole deal. I make the cotija cheese. We'll do the whole thing. Oh, that Cilantro, sounds, Yeah, it'll be fantastic. Yeah. It's a date. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, two more questions. Do you yeah. have? Um, 
you have a book or a podcast that you've read or listened to recently that you'd like to share with the listeners? Yeah, I, I listen. There's there's quite a few. Um, I'm not much of a book reader. Uh, I wish I was. I, in fact, sure. I'm trying in my new life to, to be better about okay. reading books. It's a, um, a good aspiration to have. Yeah, for sure. So I, I listen to a lot of music podcasts, which I'll, I'll, I'll bypass. I want to talk about two that may be a little bit off the beaten path. Two okay. I listen to. I listen to a, coming a, a guy from the church, obviously. Um, I, I still participate in like praise and worship music at, okay. uh, at some of the North Point churches in Atlanta. Oh, okay. So I've been connected to Brownsbridge Community Church for uh, well over 11 years. Um, I love those guys so much. I love the mission and what they do, and they're just wonderful human beings. I love Andy Stanley, um, who's yeah. at the core of all that stuff, who's yeah. the, the pastor at North Point. Uh, he does a leadership podcast called the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. It's very okay. simple. Um, unbelievable for anybody that leads a team, that wants to lead a team, that um, forget the fact that he's a pastor, forget the fact that what you're doing is in the private sector, you know, um, or in the, I'm sorry, in the public sector or whatever, and not, not you know, in the nonprofit world or whatever it may right, be. Right, right, right. Um, or the for-profit world. Just, just listen to what he has to say. It's unbelievably, uh, it's so, it's so good. It's so easy to consume. It's so easy to wrap your head around, and it's so easy to take with you to your next meeting or okay. to live with for an entire week until you have your next team meeting or whatever. So and if you manage a team or you want to manage a team, that's a great what, one. What's it called? It's called the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. The Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast. Yeah. Okay. It's I'll really, it really, really fantastic. Um, he's had Frank Blake and some like who ran Home Depot for a long time. Oh, so nice. He's yeah, had some yeah. people on there, too, that... that give different kinds of insights about like successful businesses and so for somebody who's a sales director at a brewery who's trying to to, yeah. to, to yeah. leverage some of that information I sure. listen to that a lot um, another one I love is um, I don't listen to it a ton but I think that he needs some love is uh, Brian Koppelman okay. so Brian Koppelman is a guy who um, he most people would know him now as the writer of the, the show Billions on okay. Showtime he also wrote the movie um, Rounders that okay. a lot of dudes love, the, the poker movie. I haven't seen either of them. Oh, you're crazy. Yeah. You've got to get into that. Okay. So, so Rounders is a Rounders is a Matt Damon, Ever Norton poker movie that's oh, amazing. That I love both of those dudes, yeah, especially Ed Norton. Early 2000s, yeah. really well done. Um, and Brian Koppelman just wrote the show Billions for Showtime, which is um, with, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, uh, it's well, Paul Giamatti's in there, but it's also got the uh, the redheaded dude that was in Homeland. Um, so so good. It's about um, hedge funds and um, and uh, insider trading and stuff like that, and how the yeah. government's cracking down on that stuff. It's really really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Brian Koppelman is an artist artist, and he okay. loves writers, musicians. So I got hip to Brian because, and this is a long answer, I'm trying to shorten it up. I got hip to Brian Koppelman because he loves Jason Isbell, and he loves Adam Duritz, and he yeah. loves Justin Towns Earl, and he loves John Moreland, and he loves, um, you know, all of these writers, these songwriters that I, uh, Jim James, from My Morning Jacket, all these guys that I yeah. love very much. Brian Koppelman really loves these guys and really, you know, kind of puts them on a pedestal of some of the best songwriters on the planet right now, and... Um, and his his interviews with them are super thoughtful 
Okay. They're intriguing and endearing. He's, he's great at what he does. Yeah. Uh, he did one with Alex Grinichelli from the Food Network that just blew my mind. He was able wow. to get to her in a different way than a yeah. lot of people are. If anybody knows her, she's kind of like super hard nose and whatever. But um, yeah. yeah, she's she's great. So Brian Koppelman's called The Moment. The Moment with Brian Koppelman. Okay. And it's awesome. Um, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that I don't know that he, because he's so, his reach is so far, like whether they're sure. authors or uh, filmmakers or producers yeah. of shows or whatever, you know, there's names I don't understand, so sometimes I pick and choose, but when, yeah, I, yeah, but yeah. when, I, when I see one I want, I'm always really, really that's happy awesome. with it, so yeah. That, that's kind of how I am with podcasts. Is like there are very few podcasts that I just listen to every single one that comes out. Yeah. Now I, I assume all of my listeners listen to every single thing I yeah, put out yeah, and yeah. hang on every word sure. of every guest. But for me, <laughs> no. When I go to a new podcast, I I go down. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts is the Crappy Awesome Podcast. Okay. And it's a great name, but it doesn't tell you really much of anything about what they do. Sure. And it's actually a rap podcast, um, and they have like three hundred episodes or something. And so when I listen to it, because I only discovered it last year and they've been doing it for years, I just go down the list and go, which one haven't I listened to that I know who the guest is? Yeah. And I love, I, I've never heard a bad episode on there, but it's because I'm, I'm, I'm just selective. Yeah, you know? sure. I'm also into like the true crime podcast too. because oh, that's you, fun. Because you can imagine like, so I felt like what we were talking about, I needed to talk about things that were like yeah. driven by information, right? But like, I also drive from Flowery Branch, Georgia, which is 40 miles, you know, north of Atlanta, um, into the city on Monday mornings to yeah. have operations meetings. And so, um, <laughs> so like, I listen to Up and Vanished, which is a great podcast by Payne Lindsay from Atlanta, yeah. who um, solved the Tara Grinstad murder in uh, South Georgia okay. by opening a cold case up and doing that. Wow, um, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, a teacher. In, that's that's basically in the courts right now. Yeah. And then he's in the middle of one right now that's um, about a girl disappearing in uh, Crestone, Colorado. Um, so wow. it's really, really cool stuff. And um, he's a smart guy, and his team is great, and his podcasts are well-informed. And nice. I'm sure people that are listening to this are probably listening to that because it's one of the most... Sure. It's what, kind of what, like... What's it called? It's called Up and Vanished. Okay, up and bands. Yeah, it's a, it's almost as popular as the serial podcast. It's wow. it's always tracking in the top ten. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm so, so ignorant of the top podcasts. And if you haven't, <laughs> and if you haven't listened to S Town, listen to S Town. Okay. So S Town was a serial podcast, like you know, serial d- did um, you know the the one about the murder of the the, the Asian girl in um, in Baltimore first, and then that was a big deal, and then there's been other ones. The, the Bo Bergdahl stuff. The S Town one is about a guy in uh, in a small town in Alabama that they call Shit Town. So okay. I would highly, highly recommend S Town. It is right. one of the greatest listens. Yeah, it's okay. so unbelievably engaging. Nice. Yeah, sorry, I'm no, you're good. Any, any uh, social media things you want to share, or any website links, anything? Nothing. No, I'm just kind of me. Like, I mean, I'm on social media, but. My name is M Wells ATL on uh, on Instagram. Um, That's a I good hate, one. I I hate Facebook. I want to see what you have to say. I don't want to hear what you have to say. Um, All right. In life, kind of. Um, I want to sit down with you and hear what you have to say. I don't want to see sure. it on a thing. Sure. Um, I'd rather eat the dinner with you than see where you're eating the dinner. I got you. Or, or yeah, hear yeah. about where you're eating the dinner. So. Uh, 
Get, I get, guess that's Instagram too, so I can't complain. Yeah, I, do, I was gonna say. I'm, I do love Instagram though. I just think Instagram is great. I love the idea. Instagram is of, awesome. If people use it the right way, I love the idea of like what's happening right now with you. I think is cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, for sure. Yeah, I don't. I don't engage a ton in the social media thing. Um, I don't do a lot of hashtags. I don't copy a lot of things. You can see my beautiful son singing a really badass Russian Kelly song on my Instagram. Nice. Uh, that is amazing. Um, that I posted a couple days ago. Uh, four-year-old singing a beautiful song yeah. is something to behold. So. Oh, I bet that's awesome. Yeah. So other than that, no. I got nothing for you. All right. Well, for, for our new listeners just joining us, uh, you can check out my stuff at Royal Ruckus or at Royal Ruckus Official. You'll have to figure out which is which. Uh, of course, this episode is part of the Brews, Beers, and Shipwrecks podcast. Uh, please share with your friends. An easy way to share it is brewsbeards.com. Uh, that I just put that together for simplicity's sake. Uh, we appreciate those who have taken the time to give us a rating. If you like what you hear, please take the time to give a five-star rating. It definitely helps people find the podcast. Uh, and for my last question, yeah. I always ask every guest to tell me their favorite rap song. Oh, man, that's a, that's a great one. <laughs> Uh, because I told you I'm not like because of Greg I'm more of a hip hop yeah, more yeah, of a hip hop yeah. guy yeah, yeah. than I probably um, probably normally would be. My favorite rap song. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna give you like what my favorite one is like now. How about That's that? fine. Yeah. Like I think Blockbuster Night Two, I think it is by Run the Jewels is my favorite right now. Okay. Like I love I love 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 Run the Jewels. Um, yeah, they're, I love they're the, amazing. I love how aggressive it is. I love how smart it is. Yeah. Um, I love how irreverent it is all at the same time. Um, I really, really love... I'm trying to think of something that would be a better answer, though. Um, it's a good answer. Man, I love this question, though. Can I hold on for a second? And <laughs> By the way, all this noise is because this place is filled up. This is this is a full place of it's, people it's drinking been getting beer while progressively out. louder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they, they actually even the listeners couldn't see this, but they actually opened an entire wall. It has like wheels on the wall, and yeah. like the place uh, got an extra like thirty three percent bigger. The wheels on the wall do go round yeah. and round, and they have opened the whole place. Up. Yeah, I feel like I should have another song. I feel I feel bad about this. Uh, Greg's gonna be so mad at me right now. It's okay. There's no I should, I should probably pick this. a Manchild song, right? <laughs> or, or a Marzell song so that he doesn't yell at me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick... I, you know, I love Regular Guy. Regular Guy is my is my rap song. My Manchild rap song. Is that Regular which, Guy. Which are we closing on? I love Run the Jewels. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. All right. You guys can't see him but I'm looking at his chair, apologizing <laughs> to him. I, that's one of my favorite things on recording these podcast episodes is the gestures that are made hopelessly because no listener can see any gesture we've made. I've made so many gestures. Yeah. You've made gestures. It, it just happens. You've been making a pizza for like for like an hour by putting <laughs> your hands in the air and doing things and no one can see the pizza you made. Yeah, you know? I'm throwing it in the air. Yeah, you're throwing I'm it in the air. It. It's, you're swirling it. You're doing the thing. I, you're I dropping it down. I pushed it back down a couple times. Redid it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, who knew we were gonna make pizza? Now, oh right? my goodness. Well, thank God I don't have a gluten allergy. It's something the rappers do. They they talk with their hands. Yeah. And I actually have to take my Fitbit off when I rap 
because I get like five miles in 30 minutes, and that is not actually what happens. Like, yeah, you know? you're like, like, I'm tracking all wrong here. Yeah. yeah. No, you can imagine, I didn't talk with my hands much at all because I don't have a guitar in my hand. So right. I can only speak with some sort of wood between, you know, and that was not a dick joke. Uh, oh, my goodness. Me, you know, me and, and if they'd seen the gesture. Right, they would have loved it. That. that totally worked for a See, dick joke. Again, gesture. All right, so All right. you are listening to Bruise Beers and Shipwrecks. I'm Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun Jay from Royal Ruckus, and I'm here with Matt Wells. Yeah, and we definitely shipwrecked a lot of times tonight. So it was fantastic. Though, we we so. pulled it back out and we kind of brought it back up <laughs> on the water a couple times, but you know, that's what happens, right? After we've been drinking yeah. beers and doing the thing. I do it's have perfect. a beard. You do have a beard. We do have beer, and we we, we covered all the. My life has yeah. kind of gone to shit. Yeah. So I, it's all I feel good. You. They all do if you if you're not careful. <laughs> all right, and now we're gonna close out with Run the Jewels. The elephants yeah. in the room. I'm talking two tongues. Build the truth to your face like this is two gums. One half of the crew. You know the jewel runners. Move us out of our lane. Lane. Yeah. Who's gone? Stain on they brain. That's right. Put on. Put on. On him, dirt kicked on him, shot his cash, pop that, pop that, do that, do that, stood behind his mama, put my, put my goal and kill a dinner, kill a cat, good skilling, so I spit on him, like this on him. I saw in the room and it popped to the Van Damme split on him. Rappers all get the, get the, they got on him. Big and sweaty, just look, it's a cancer induced on him. They love to hug and cry and explain what they are the victim of. Breed each other's hair and tell stories about how they've been in love. Kids, I'm a computer, I'm a trooper, feeling super, shoot the future like a looper. You tryna step like gooses, I'ma go home with your luger. The tires of the nooses, get a broom up in that booger. This is for the dope, do a whole pursuer. If you procure, then you cut her and you stick her like a skewer. See, this is for the paupers and the prisoner, authors of the literature. Poses to the holders of the swastika insignia. <laughs> Shiny toolkit to fix your face and I use it Flipping birds, I ain't talking no them no fingers Come line up to kiss the ring of your favorite rap singer Desktop roast coming out the oven hot Stunting all you bumper clots Fronting like you running blocks Bet your mother love to watch you come up out your side Spin a barrel, take a shot Loves you or it loves you not Pop, schlepping weapons out the seven Betting on who getting to heaven first with the henchmen Try to test me, I'll send some shots at your kepi You best address me correctly, but mama still calls me Lechki When summer asks me to spit it, I'm nasty like a cabbie with cricket I know it like the back of my hand, I actually did If you even think about dabbing my hand, homie better be dabbing in the hand You with it? Actually fam, what you wanna gonna laugh at me fam? Right cause I'm tacky and tan, it's actually him Pass me the chin, pass me whatever you got Pass me the beat, the pass me the clip Hit it, hold it, now it's about time to pass me the fit Ship it, so my soul for a passion back to the Hopefully she get happy, just switch That's quick, I did a fact that he had to just shift Just dip Did you stop this thing? I was just gonna leave it running yeah. Okay Because I, I find that if I have multiple files I have a harder time editing Okay, cool Let's, If I have one file I'll say some crazy shit Say anything you want <laughs> Greg uh, Owens is a dickhead <laughs> Yeah, boy!